This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the Aussies bow out in Qatar as the World Cup heats up. Martis and Steve turn up massively at Optus and the Poms go ballistic in Roll Up Indy. Sure did. Chris Paul might be about to lose the only ring he has. And the best Darvenham nickname I've ever heard in my life. Oh, let's go. It's 12.02 here in the West on Tuesday, the 6th of December, 2022. I feel before we get into the what caught your attention uh, part of the episode, Stewie, we've got some apologies. First things first, we've got to apologise. We did say look out for our 1992 redraft. In the end, we're doing it in person because, well, we had time and space and we thought we should. And a lot's happened. A lot has happened. A lot's always happening. Yeah, (laughs) but this was a particularly big week, obviously. There's a lot of stuff going on in the FIFA World Cup. First test with the West Indies is completed. Some big stories in the NBA. So there's a lot going on. Bumper test between England and Pakistan too. My yes. goodness. So yeah, no, lots going on. So do keep an eye out for that 1992 redraft. It'll still happen in the next few weeks, I'm sure. We'll, we'll fit that in. I believe there's another apology. Yeah, I know I did it at least once in last week's episode, but I know certainly in the recording, I think we did it twice where I, I basically made reference to Dwayne Russell instead of Andre Russell. Ah, uh, yes, of course, the commentator. How did you both not pick that? Oh, uh, look, these things happen. Look, the, the, the big hitting commentator. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's certainly he's an all-rounder. Can't yeah. take some multiple sports. Oh, I thought you meant because he's a big dude. No, no, because Andre Russell's he's, an all-rounder too. He's, so. he's all-round. All oh, well, no, he's not. He's not, is he? He's, uh, I know. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Anyway. No, I'm thinking of BT. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, dearie, mate. And uh, before we get into the what caught your attention, what did you miss? I have to moan once again. Yes. At OKC winning games. Nearly 500. I think it's time for the power of negative thinking to come out. Oh, yeah. We're a playoff team. <laughs> we're, you're, you're probably at least a play-in team. We're, we're, we're a playoff team. Yeah. And I've just not, I've stopped thinking that we're going to lose every game. We're going to win every game from here out. It's going to happen. Definitely. But I do have a backup plan. Oh, yeah. Nath, I will trade you this delicious Mike Muscala for your crummy 2023 first round draft pick. Uh, well, given I held all the sway in the San Antonio front office, I will definitely not be making <laughs> that trade. Challenge declined. Yes, indeed. Oh, yes. dear me. But nonetheless, what caught your attention? What'd you miss? Well, all NFL or American football-related stuff for me this week. First of all, Scorigami! Scorigami, my game too. We had a Scorigami. Yeah, well, it's not one that you would have been too excited oh, about. Oh, look, no, no, I'm resigned to that. I'm in the uh, the non-OKC uh, playoff <laughs> mode with the Colts now, so I don't mind if we lose every game for the rest of the season. See if you can get uh, amazing French NFL player Dicta Jembenyama. <laughs> Yeah, something like something that. like that. Yeah. But no, unfortunately, it does, as you say, involve the Colts having their asses handed to them by America's team, who continue to be amazing. Yeah, they, they're looking good. The now nine and three Dallas Cowboys. It's a weird one though. Dallas leading twenty one nineteen. Yes, I was going to say it was still a two point game late in the third. Yeah. Well, at three quarter time. Yeah, oh, that's right. It was yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I watched the mini last night. And so yeah. Dallas pile on thirty three unanswered in the last quarter to win fifty four to nineteen. The 1,074th unique scoreline in NFL history. Thank you, NFL Scoring Army, for that one. Yes, indeed. Now, that really, really cool thing about one Tom Brady, and there's not many cool things about it because he's a bit of a dick. (laughs) But as we know, Tom Brady recently passed that magical 100,000 passing yards mark. It's just a a number. It's otherworldly, yeah. It's a number that will probably never be bettered, let's be honest. But I saw a graphic before their game against Cleveland over the weekend at First Energy Stadium. So going into the game, Brady's sitting on 100,374 yards, which is the equivalent of 57 miles. Wow. Yep. Do you know what's 57 miles away from First Energy Stadium? Um, Canton, Ohio. Ah, okay. Very nice. And Very one, nice. And one NFL Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, indeed. So, yes, yes. I thought that was pretty cool. And of course, yeah. of course, the Buccaneers lost in overtime. Oh, the Bucs, it's a horrible situation because it's going to be that thing where they're going to get a top four seed because they're a division winner. But they're going to be hosting a team that's won three, maybe even four games more than them. It's one thing about the NFL playoff system I really hate. Yeah, we saw that happen last season. It happens well. more regularly than it should. I'm all for division winners making the playoffs, but they should be seated according to record. I think so. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And then the last thing, did you see the message that USC quarterback Caleb Williams had for the University of Utah the other day? No, no. I watched a little bit of the college stuff over the weekend, but I didn't see that. Well... Look, we can only assume that these were acrylics that he put over his fingernails. They looked very shiny and very pretty, had his nails did. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, purdy, you could say. Very purdy. Brock Purdy. I, is, say, yeah. I feel like some, there's something to do with the <laughs> <Mate, laughs> I'll talk about Brock Purdy in a sec, yeah. 
but he actually had the words fuck utah in, oh. a, in acrylics on his fingernails oh dear and unfortunately utah fucked them to the tune of 47 to 24 so not amazing oh that's that is a shellacking so about yourself mate well brock purdy so he's the third string quarterback in san francisco really sad there because they have a team that th- their offense is so high powered but they've now got both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance out for the season. Jimmy got injured on the weekend, so they're down to their third stringer. And when you're a Super Bowl aspirational team, that's that's a pretty hard pill to swallow. So unlikely they really come back to the pack now. But yeah. uh, geez, they were they were starting to look a bit dangerous. And as I say, offensively, whew, they have a very impressive team indeed. Just quietly as well in the NFL world, Deshaun Watson is back from his lengthy Don't suspension. Don't call it lengthy. It wasn't lengthy. Enough. Well, uh, well. In NFL terms, yeah, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I do know what you're saying. He didn't have a great game. 12 of 29, 131 yards, no touchdowns and interception and lost to his lowly ex-team, the Houston Texans, only their second win for the season. So Calm as a bitch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But what caught my attention, mate, Eddie Ockenden recently played his 400th game for the Kookaburras in the hockey. We don't talk about hockey very often, but that's a very big feat and accomplishment to take acknowledgement of. He's been to four Olympics with a silver and two bronze in his kit bag. So pretty handy player for sure. the Australian team. And he's still going. So good on you, Eddie Ockenden. Mm-hmm. What'd you miss, mate? Well, guess what? It's not the New Zealand Breakers. <laughs> they played the World Yeah, that definitely did help. But I actually saw one of their games, which is exciting. No, look, I didn't see a second of the Australia-Argentina World Cup match live, unfortunately. I, I did see it on replay. But yeah, look, I wasn't going to stay up until 3am. This is something I've noticed recently, Stewie. You don't seem to like watching sports if they're not live as much as me. I watch most of the sport I watch is not live. You seem to maybe, if you can't watch it live, you tend to not be, which I understand because it's, it's not the yeah, same. It's called having kids. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, just, that's it, yeah. yeah. Having time between all these other things to sit down and watch a two-hour game that I already know the result of. Yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah. It's harder to, yeah. Unless it's like, oh my God, best game in the history yeah. of everything and it's not just a clickbait on a website where they're like, oh, best game ever. And it was like nil-nil. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, if it's something I know the result of, I'll go But even there. without having kids, I feel like maybe you're less interested. Is that, no, I'm <sighs> off the mark there? I don't know. It's been that. It feels like it's been- You've had kids for a while now. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, feels yeah. like it's been 30 years since I've had kids, but <laughs> that's what they do to you. Uh, anyway, oh, so yes, in, in summary, fuck getting up that late to watch it. A- well, I didn't go to bed, but yes, of yes. course. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Well, I I did watch that match, and we'll talk about the soccer very soon, but I missed last night's NBL game, unfortunately. The thousandth game since uh, Larry Kesselman took over the NBL. But, yeah, have the quiz on Monday nights, as I always say. So, yeah, missed that one. But looks like it was a decent win for Illawarra, and we will talk about the NBL today, too. All right, you can catch up on replay, I guess. Yeah. Seeing as you do. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I'll go back and watch that one. Yeah, no, we'll see. So, Shuri, as we mentioned at the top there, Australia's dream is over. No Qatar heroes. Uh, no, they were, they were Qatar heroes, weren't they? They really were. Very good. I like that. Oh, this is my title uh, in the background there. I thought might be a potential shortlist. But didn't lower their colours against Argentina. No. And had a magnificent campaign and possibly the greatest campaign in Socceroos history. Although that's a little bit debatable because that Italy game 15 odd years ago. You can still see the dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, right. but no, look, you're, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, when you consider that even going down, literally the, the last kick of the game, we have a, a potential shot. Cool. So oh, I, yeah. I felt for the poor kid. Oh, man. Just slightly heavy on the touch. Yeah. That was maybe 15, 20% lighter on the touch. He's probably got a decent shot on goal. Extra time, you never know. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, anything could happen. But you, yeah, just... You feel like he'd only been on the paddock for five minutes or so. He hadn't mm. been on, on the ground for long at all at that point. But... Uh, Oh, yeah, centimetres. Uh, well, well, we'll talk about it being a game of inches. Yes, in indeed we will. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of controversy there. But but certainly I think the one thing that's really, really exciting for this team is that there are a lot of guys who should be at the next one, assuming obviously Australia qualify. So this team does actually have an opportunity to really start growing. You kind of like what the American team will feel as well. They've got a lot of young guys in there as well, whereas there are some other teams that are starting to age a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, we've we've seen the success that Argentina have had, but this is absolutely Messi's final World Cup. Yeah. Ditto Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Portugal, yep. so many other guys. Uh, I can't imagine Luis Suarez will go around again for Uruguay. So a lot of guys here that we're probably seeing for the last time in a World Cup. And all of a sudden, you know, teams like Australia... Not necessarily saying they're going to win the next one, but certainly you would feel like there'd be every chance they're building of, of certainly repeating what they did, if not going one step further. 
Yeah, well, we can only cross our fingers. And look, you got to make your own luck a little bit too, don't you? It's got to be said, Australia did have a little bit of luck. So in that Tunisian match, Eli Shakiri was tripped over by the referee Daniel Siebert, who was a World Cup debutant in the lead up to Duke's goal. Uh, Duke, I think, might have been the one that picked up the piece of paper that the Danish defenders had, which, <laughs> and I had an interesting thing here. So Jared Laws, 70th minute, Danish sub carries note onto field to give to Ericsson. 72nd minute, note appears to end up in the hands of Aussie coaching staff. 74th minute, Australia makes a sub to switch the formation to 5 4 1. The, the note actually said, Do you want Ericsson? With a box and yeah, said yeah, yes, yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. Please tick. <laughs> And how do you uh, not like Ericsson? I mean, what a, what a story coming back from that bloody heart attack. Yeah, wow. Yeah, there's been a few of those stories in the world of sport. I was watching the TCU game in the college football and he, uh, their quarterback, just great to watch. And he started the season in difficult circumstances too. So you love these stories as well. But yeah. why wouldn't you keep the, the note in your sock or something? Yeah. Or chew it up and eat it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Or, or uh, uh, Mission Impossible. This message will self-destruct yeah, in five exactly seconds. I was, was going to say Inspector Gadget, but... Oh, yeah, well, okay. So you yeah. just throw it into a bin where the person's sitting and then it, and then it blows, it blows up. up yeah. 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 Anyway. Mm. So, yes, very, very lucky Australia. Yeah, you've got to make your own luck sometimes. And uh, I, I love Arnie's mantra. No celebrations, sleep, no social media. Mm. Probably lessons we could all learn from that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Christ, if, if there's two things I could do in my life right now, it would be sleep and have no social media. That would be great. Yeah, I'll tell you what, my sleeping patterns have been crazy the last couple of weeks. But mm. uh, it's nice to be able to have the luxury to stay up and watch yeah, these late matches. And... You've at least got a couple of weeks. Yeah, to I've, on, I've got a bit of long service yeah. leave. So it's the summer of George. But uh, and look, I've got to say, not a massive soccer fan. This is the most soccer I'll watch in any four-year stretch every time. But I have really, even with the goals being a little bit down, I have really enjoyed what I've watched. I really enjoyed that USA-Dutch match. I think the Dutch look pretty dangerous. I think they might beat Argentina, hey? Every chance. Yeah. Every chance, yeah. We'll maybe finish up on who we Yeah, we will. We will. Sorry, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's good to get excited about all this stuff. I mean, there's been some, some really great matches and some really close matches as well. I mean, I, I'll think back to watching the Croatia-Belgium game. And again, we'll talk about this in a minute. I watched that sort of thinking, look, Belgium just need to score one goal to get through. And the number of chances they had at the end. Again, I'll talk about this in a second. We should probably just quickly pivot to Japan and Spain. Yes. Yes, so very obviously, interesting. This is the big talk. We obviously talked about sport being games of inches all across there. Yep. Japan, we, we know going into this, needed to beat Spain to progress at the expense of Germany. And the second goal to Tanaka that put him ahead, could not have summed up more this whole game of inches thing. And I guess you've seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And funny, like on social media. So the ball, well, did it go out is the question. For me, it didn't. No. Yeah. It's all about angles, though, too, isn't it? Because the camera wasn't directly above, I don't think. So, and people have been posting things on social media like perspective and angles and, oh, it looks out on this picture, doesn't look out on that picture. Oh, it was close. But again, making your own luck. Maybe the Japanese uh, bought themselves some good karma with the way they've behaved yeah. so graciously cleaning up after their mess and such. Pick up some rubbish, pick up a, a favourable Yeah, room. well, apparently they were leaving cranes in the change room. The, the change rooms were immaculate as well by the yep. players and they were leaving paper cranes in there. Yeah, so, wow, the I'm, Germans will not be happy. No, and I, firstly, I will say I'm not surprised at all. I've been to Japan, one of the most, probably the most respectful culture out of any that I've seen. And yeah, look, it's, uh, the, I think the craziest part about it was that Japan had 17.7% possession in that entire game. Wow. Yeah. And they yeah. won the match. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's the lowest recorded possession percentage in any World Cup game, let alone a win. Wow. So to get dominated that much in terms of having possession and not to actually win the game is, it's taking your chances. It's all about making your opportunities. And a similar thing, like the Aussies had lower possession, the the Yankees had lower possessions, but they still made it to the round of 16 too. Yep. So it's, yeah, you make the most of your opportunities. You do, you do. And yeah, we've, I we've... feel like such a fraud talking about soccer. I am no expert. No, I said it last week. I'll say it again. <laughs> I'm not pretending to be. These are observations. Of, yeah. We're not pretending to be... I can't think of any of the names. No, but I have. I've got swept up in the, in the World Cup spirit. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, obviously we spoke about some of the upsets last week, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, which looks like genius now when you consider that they drew us. And yes. then, that, yeah, they get a game. Again, though, those Dutch, oh, they looked very good. Yeah. But certainly, like, you're going to get easier games, I guess. You know, teams like Senegal and, and I guess to a lesser extent maybe South Korea. 
getting into those round of 16s. Once you get to the top eight, I mean, it's the gloves are off. Everyone's, yeah, it's going to be an absolute free-for-all slobber knockers everywhere. But yep. obviously, yeah, we spoke about Japan over Germany last week. Morocco, Belgium as well. Yeah, the Moroccans beating Belgium effectively knocked them out. South Korea beating Uruguay and Portugal as well. So they had a couple of really big results there. And obviously Australia beating Denmark. But the big one, as I said before, was yeah, watching that Belgium-Croatia game. I don't know what... Romelo Lukaku, I reckon, would have had five, six chances really, really late in those games. Just couldn't get a clean header or the ball landing in his foot properly. Just couldn't seem to get a proper connection with the ball. One of those sits up, Belgium are through. And from there, you've got a team with him, with Aiden Hazard, with uh, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, that is a really, really scary team. And all of a sudden, they're just sitting at home. There'll be some big nations licking their wounds already. And that will only continue to happen over the coming days. Well, there are. I mean, if you look at it, so Belgium are number two in the world. So they should have got through. You would absolutely expect that. The Germans will be pissed. The Germans are number 11, Denmark yep. number 10, Uruguay number 14. So four of the top 16 teams didn't make it. That's really, really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always going to be upsets. But yeah, absolutely. There is. So I guess the big question is, who wins it from here, Nate? Well, oh, I don't with feel like I'm thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. In the world from what well, I tell you what, we looked at some of those Brazil highlights before we hit record. They looked very sharp, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So Brazil will be right up there. France, Mbappe's just looked incredible. He, it, it's, it seems like he's going to break goal-scoring records over the coming years as he plays in more World Cups. He's the best, they, they'd he's, have to he's, be... He's the best player in the world right now. I would argue that. Yeah, well, well, it looks that way from a, an absolute novice watching. I, that doesn't surprise me at all if mm-hmm. that were the case. I think, I don't know about Argentina anymore. Like I say, I think the Dutch might get them. Yep. So I think it might be Brazil and France. Now, I don't know if they're, are they on the same side of the draw? I must admit, I haven't looked at the bracket. We'll consult the third umpire. Oh, let's do it. So we do have the official word. It is coming from the third umpire, Brazil and France, opposite sides of the draw. So Brazil play Croatia next, Netherlands, Argentina, and then you've got England, France playing on the other side. And the winners of Morocco, Spain, and Portugal, Switzerland could very easily be the battle of the borders with Spain and Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I've got France. I absolutely think they are the best team in this competition right now. As you say, Mbappe, peak of his powers right now, five goals in three games. He's getting great support up front from Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann. The only time they struggled basically is when they sent out that second string team against Tunisia. Which is just to give blokes rest because it's, yeah, tough conditions over there, really hot. If you have that luxury to be able to rest guys, that's a really good luxury to have. Yeah. So they'll be fresher too. Yeah. So, yeah. And look, having said that now, England probably beats them in the quarterfinals. Oh, from what I've seen of England, they look really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they have, yeah. definitely. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so many teams that, that could absolutely just waltz in and win it. Brazil, I think, would probably be my second pick. It's Oh, they, oh, they look real good, those highlights today. That's it. The poor South Koreans. How was the thing about people whinging about dominating too much and building up the score and like... It's the World Cup. Yeah. It's knockout stage. Exactly. you got to kick as many goals as you can. Why not win it early? Yeah. And then be able to celebrate and kind of take the foot off and kind of potentially risk some injuries as well, rest some of your bigger players. It's like, so weird. Like I think even Roy Keane was saying it. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I would take as many goals as I can. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. It's the World Cup. Yeah, you want to offer Australia four goals? It's not a friendly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A couple of other interesting little notes. And look, it's probably not the only one. There must be others as well. But I took note of the fact that Alfonso Davies scored Canada's first ever World Cup goal. So he'll forever be etched into Canadian soccer trivia. But also the USA-England game had more viewers than all but one of the World Series games in the past five years. Only Game 7 in 2019 had more and Game 7. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to watch that. And this was even though it was morning for a lot of the country. So everyone does get swept up in World Cup fever, even the non-traditional, or you know, it's still played there and it's big and whatnot, high participation. But obviously they're lower in the pecking order when you talk about the big four and all that sort yeah. of thing. So, and I'm guessing it probably helps the time zones probably line up a little bit better. Oh, better than us, yeah. Yeah, certainly yeah. much better than us. Yeah, so. yeah. No, very, very cool. But Nath, we do have to just quickly talk about this. What a fucking joke from the AFL. Yeah, yeah. Announcing the schedule. The round one schedule. Literally the, the first round. What an inconsequential round to drop. Like, if you're going to do it, drop them all. Well. But also don't do it. So it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. So some people are outraged. I, I don't think outrage is correct. But it was a bit of a dick move by the AFL. And I just don't understand. So earlier in the tournament, they tweeted that 
we support the Socceroos and good on you. And and so the AFL official Twitter handle was tweeting out support for the Socceroos. But that act was in kind of defiance of, and I saw a funny tweet of a picture of Fed Square and someone had written, and I wish I'd taken note, I'm sorry that I didn't, uh, something along the lines of, look at all these people waiting for the uh, fixture release of round one of the AFL. <laughs> but I don't know, why could it? So it was 3am here in Perth when it was released as well. So a lot of people are saying, oh, it, it was intentional, the new cycle, and they release stuff early, uh, 6 a.m. on a Sunday, 3 a.m. in Perth. I mean, let's just... It wasn't pre-planned. They knew what they were doing. Yes, soccer's a competitor, but why... I mean, there was a very good chance Australia were going to lose. Why wouldn't you just release that straight after the match saying, oh, congratulations to the soccer group, great campaign, commiserations, here's something to look forward to, round one. Yeah. By the way, no Victorian teams playing outside the state of Victoria in round one. So they even compounded. A lot of people were pissed off about that too. Yep. So, yeah. I, I just think, honestly, the, the best way to look at this is it's like, yes, okay, you can call it petty. You can call it pathetic. It's actually, it's stupid. It's the equivalent of a three-year-old saying, mommy, daddy, look at me. Yeah, and, it felt a bit, that's what Andrew Goes was and, banging on about. You, know, when you look over at the kid that they'll do something really average, like a little spin on the spot and they nearly fall over. I'm, I'm saying this from experience. Like I've got a lot of this. It's not endearing. And half the time you don't even notice it. And it's like, oh, who's going to go, oh, wow, AFL, Richmond Carlton starting things off. No shit, dickheads. Happens every year. Pretty much every fucking year, that's the first game of the season. Yep. And guess what? Most years, it's shit. I just look forward to the day that one of your daughters goes, hey, daddy, look at this, and it's round two of the AFL fixture. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> what, what, you know, do something cool, like do a backflip off a house on, into, oh. a, into a moving car. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe don't. Don't do that, actually. Yeah, yeah, you could probably hurt yourself. But anyway, AFL. Not good enough. Yeah, look, again, a bit of a storm in a teacup, but it, it was a bit of a dick move and they could have waited a couple of hours. That's all That's all it needed. Bloody hell. <laughs> so, Nathan, we've got a couple of test matches to talk about. We'll obviously start with Australia. So, four declared for 598 and two declared for 182, defeating the West Indies 283 and 333. Got to say, got a lot more out of this test match than I was expecting. I think a lot of us going into it were expecting it might last three days, hence all the grief we gave yeah, to yeah. Cricket Australia and the ICC for putting it on a Wednesday start. Even so, though, if they'd even done it one day earlier, then days three and four would have been the weekend and they would have actually made some money on the Sunday. They made no money on the Sunday because it was gold coin donation kind of thing. So they still screwed the pooch in the scheduling, in, in my opinion. The, but. They did. But obviously a great match. I was able to announce on the train in that we'd won the toss and batted, so I put some smiles on people's face. <laughs> But we were at day one, as we said last week. We were. Perfect day for it. It was what, brilliant. What would you make of it? Yeah, good fun. Uh, obviously, the crowd was a bit disappointing, but Wednesday, great conditions. Really enjoyed watching the Aussies bat. I mean, Smitty and Manus were just magnificent. Just Manus, my God. Do you know he lifted his average by five points? So he went into the match 54.02. He's now 59.31, thanks to a double ton and 100 not out. Well, that's, yeah, that's very impressive. We'll talk about him in a second. I just want to go back to the crowd for a second. So great to see so many people from Perth supporting Justin Langer like that. <laughs> Look, I still don't necessarily buy into that, but <laughs> if that kept some people away, it might have. It might have. But I don't think that was the main reason. No. I think, I think. It was a, the reason we talked about last week. Well, and stinking fucking hot day in Perth as well. It wasn't as bad as the day before. That no. was that was yeah, but it was it was warm enough in thirties, yeah, American, yeah, which is certainly hot enough. We moved a number of times. We we stayed in the shade. Yeah. We we did. Yeah, there's no point in getting out there. I mean, there's enough room in the shade for everyone. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, nice. yeah. And I have to say, just quickly, very very good to see reasonably priced beer. Yeah, yeah, it has. I, I don't know if they've put their prices down or something. The food and beverages and everything felt a bit cheaper than... I don't know if my memory's just screwed or or if it's different for the footy to the cricket, for example. I don't know, but... $10 beers, you can't really... No, you, you can't. can't your yeah, not bad. So, as you mentioned, Nath, Manus and Steve Smith, magnificent. Yeah, double tons for both in the first dig. Manus obviously has a ton in the second. Joins a very, very elite group. So, Kumar Sangakara, Brian Lara, Graham Gooch, Greg Chappell, Lawrence Rowe, Sonil Gavaskar, and Doug Walters as the only guys with a double ton and a single ton in the same test. I did not note that down because I knew you would have. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but two very different innings, though, because obviously in the first innings, it's just about accumulation. Building, yep. Build as many as you can. And obviously, if you look at the strike rate, 58 in the first dig versus 94 in the second form. So, very different innings, playing a lot more shots, obviously, trying to get that quick 
180 odd that they made just to try and make sure that they had enough time to, to really go out the West Indies. Yeah, and it's lucky they they did put those runs on the board. And you, you wondered if it weren't for the Cummins injury, they might have batted a little bit longer, but they wanted to have enough time to get those 10 wickets. So. Yeah. And look, obviously, it's it's been well documented. He's a very, very lucky boy, Marnus. Hey, you need luck, don't you? We, as we talked about in the soccer. Yeah. Number past the outside edge, a few pass slips, inside edges, you're missing the stumps by a millimetre. I think he was caught off a no ball. He too. was caught off a no ball on, yeah. on 19 in the second dig. So, yeah. yeah. But obviously, you do. You ride your luck. And, and that's kind of, I guess, how it all goes. Flip side of that, Travis Head being dismissed oh, off a milestone. Chopping on the He well. played very well, though, he did. didn't he? Yeah. He, he did his job. Yeah. No, Head's had a good summer so far. But I did want to just quickly talk about the West Indies because obviously a lot has been made about obviously how amazing the Labashane-Smith sort of connection was. Travis Head had a great innings. Kawaja was good in the first dig as well. Yes, yep. But I think the West Indies, it has to be said, they they bowled very well without luck. Very disciplined, yeah. Both, both teams on day one that we attended, and I watched a fair bit after that too. But yeah, a good discipline from both sides. The West Indies did not lower their colours at all. They were very competitive and... Might have even put a scare in on occasion. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I just think that they just lack a bit of pace. That's maybe their... Our attack on average is probably at least 10 clicks higher than them. And it does make a lot of difference on a bouncy pitch. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got Cam Green getting up to sort of low 140s. He looked good, didn't he? Looks very good with that ball. Yeah. Yeah, Stark's obviously all around that mid-140s. Even Marnus had a nice little bounce last. (laughs) What was that, hey? That was fantastic. That was cracking. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's a very different attack. And obviously, Roston Chase as the spinner, not quite the same sort of pedigree as, as Nathan Lyon, who has taken a lot of wickets. Oh, he loves those bouncy wickets too. He's so good to watch. He, he really, really does. But obviously, the other thing as well is with the batting side of things, great to see a good bit of grit and seeing uh, certainly a top order of the West Indies actually really dig in. What a debut for young Chanderpaul, hey? We spent our youths watching his dad play. Even his batting stance. I was yeah. like, hold on, is that Shivnarine? No, it's his son. And funnily enough, Craig Brathwaite, who opened the batting with him, played with his dad. Yeah, that's a great stat. Yeah. Only 11 years ago. Yeah, you? yeah, yep. Which I, it just uh, blew me away. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, again, Chander Paul wrote his luck a little bit as well. They're like every opener. Yep. It's very hard to make a score with. Oh, you're gonna, they're going to beat the edge a few times yeah, at least. Certainly yeah. without presenting one chance but no he looked very very poised played some lovely lovely shots just looks like an absolute fixture in this side for the next however many years he's a little bit older i believe he's like 26 or something so he has had a good first class career behind him but there's every reason to believe he'll be around for a good amount of time six seven eight years still plenty of time there yeah unfortunately i think it just comes down to the collapses which i guess we were kind of expecting and if you look at i guess the scores because they look Chander Paul and Brathwaite put on 78 and 116 for the first wicket. So that's, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, oh, they gave them good good foundations in both innings. Yeah, but then first dig from one for 159 to all out 283. Mm. Disappointing. Yeah. And then two for 191 to all out 333. Not as bad in the second dig. Obviously, they had a, a, a pretty decent sort of rear guard. Roston Chase put on a... Yeah, on a fifth-day pitch, yeah. Yeah, 82-run 80, yeah. partnership with Alzari Joseph. I mean, look, it, it was good to see that. And that kind of, that was a point where I was sort of thinking, don't tell me they could get this. Yeah, place. I know, I know. Yeah. But again, Nathan Lyon shows his class on a, a day five pitch, bobs up with six wickets. Travis Head was handy too with the ball. So he had a good test match. Very good. Two for 25 for Head. Yeah. Got rid of Alzari Joseph as well with a, a, a really, really good delivery. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, I think, hope and I guess just, yeah, just a lot of real positivity to come out of that test. And it gives me hope that these next couple are going to be pretty decent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it'll be a good summer. Now, I wanted to ask your opinion on the Pat Cummins thing. So obviously, you mentioned his injury. Him being out in the field for the second dig, what did you make of that? It's odd, isn't it? I don't know why you'd be out there if you're not going to bowl. I mean, he is the captain, so I guess there's probably that more of a pull to be out there with the boys. But if you're not going to bowl... And you've got plenty of guys out there who have captaincy experience i mean steve smith was well, that's for right. a long yeah. time yeah, yeah david warner was was an assistant or vice captain for quite a while so you've got guys out there who can do that job don't get me wrong though i think cummins had a very good test as captain i think he made some really really great bowling changes the travis head one we spoke about 
So he actually did move the pieces around really well and orchestrated the win quite well. But got himself to 200 wickets nice and quick, too. He did. Yeah. He did. But yeah. Yeah, you just kind of worry. You think, well, there's a pink ball test coming up in Adelaide. Short turnaround. It'd be very nice if he could be there. I don't know why. I don't think. Uh, I think it'll be Scott Boland. Right. Well, well, no. There's actually another couple of guys. So yeah, I know they've brought the young West Aussie into the. I think it will be Boland's front of the pack, though. I think. Oh, knees up. Yeah. I, I would go Boland as well. Given yeah. The last, year, but I, I suspect he'll be the one. But you never know. You never know. I do wonder though whether Lance Morris might get a gig. I mean, I think they're getting him into the squad to get around the boys. I don't know if that necessarily means he'll he'll walk into the scary next scary pace though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you can never underestimate that that fear factor. Yeah, no, so, no, sure. So sure. we'll see. But yeah, certainly a very very exciting test. Looking forward to the second one. And when Cummins is there, what a luxury to have four different blokes that have two hundred test wickets. Isn't that incredible? How many times that's happened? In the well, history? yeah, I. Don't know. I think it's the first time, but I don't know. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, so Rick Finlay tweeted, in the 22 tests in which Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins and Lyon have played, they have taken 349 wickets between them. To put that in perspective, there's only been 23 dismissals in the same games, 12 runouts and 11 wickets to other bowlers. Wow. And a few of them would have been in this match because Greeny had one or two. He might have had one per innings. Travis, Travis Head had a couple. So what? Isn't that incredible? Wow. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. But yes, we'll move on to the other test. And wow, hats off to England. They're, they're playing with house money at the moment, aren't they? This was a fucking weird test. What the <laughs> hell did that road get a result? So like, that, what so the hell? Let's look at the score. So England 657 and seven declared for 264, defeat Pakistan 579 and 268 by 74 runs. Yeah, road at the start. Yeah. Well, what was it? Five centurions across both teams in the seven, first inning? Seven. Seven. Bloody hell. Yeah, well, there were three just for the first three English batsmen, weren't there? We had Zach Crawley, Ben Duckett, Ollie Pope, and Harry Brook all made centurions. Oh, Harry Brook. I forgot about that and one. All of them had strike rates above 97. Yeah. Which yeah. is incredible. And only one of them was under 100. So very, very impressive there. England went at six and a half runs and over for, for that first innings. In a test it's unheard of, I know. I know. Doesn't that make you feel good about the health of the test game, though? It does. But then, as you say, Pakistan respond with 579. Abdullah Shafiq, Imam Al-Haq, and Baba Azam all making tons there as well. The first innings came to a close early-ish on day four. Yeah, and they got a result. They got a result. I know. Yeah, when I saw the England score, I was like, oh, yeah, Pakistan will probably score close to that, and it'll peter out to a, a draw. Probably England still in their second innings. Holy shit. Holy shit. And a sporting declaration? So talking about making your own luck and karma and all that, the English gave themselves a chance to win and they did it. But they were smart about it because this is the thing. You could look at that and go, right, we probably want the lead to be, I don't know, 300, 350, whatever it happens to be. Let's be smart about this and just make sure we don't collapse. England went the other way and just went, nah, bugger this. Like we've got Brendan McCallum as coach. We've got a lot of guys in our team who can really go about it because they're in the T20 side. They went at, I think it was 73 for, yeah, for that's 30, outrageous. 36 overs. That's outrageous. So this is the thing. They're not using up a whole heap of time. Yeah. And it gave them enough time to get at Pakistan at the end of day four. They take two wickets, which was certainly quite key. And there was a retired hurt to Azza Ali that didn't help as well. No. But, you know, you've got to play the blokes in front of you. But then Ollie Robinson and Jimmy Anderson just put on a day five clinic and wrapped it up. It was it was a, it's just a crazy game. Speaking of Jimmy Anderson, so I saw Yaz Rana from Wisdom tweet, Jimmy Anderson has 192 wickets at 21.04 since he turned 35. Mm. And to put that in perspective, Pat Cummins' career, 202 at 21.5. So those numbers are incredible. And we talk about Jimmy only being good at home, but... Well, I did actually want to talk about that, yeah. funnily enough. So not only that, so along the way in this, he actually took his combined international wicket haul to 957. That puts him ahead of all-time greats Glenn McGrath and Anil Kumble in that match. He only sits behind the late great Shane Warne, so he's 44 behind him for the most wickets with a legitimate action. <laughs> and then obviously another 346 up to Murali. We do. We always talk about the fact that he, he doesn't do a lot away from home. Nearly two in three of his test wickets are in England, but the guy's got wickets in nine other countries. And if you sort of look on a technicality, the West Indies, they're listing as one. When in actual yeah, fact, I was going to say, when you say country, it's, uh, yeah, it's he, a lot more yeah, when you bring in the yeah, West Indies. In actual fact, he's probably got one in Trinidad and Tobago, one in Antigua. Oh, he'd have to have one in just about every place they've played a match, yeah. So 
there's not many guys out there who could, in fact, there's probably no one else who can say that they've got wickets everywhere because a lot of them never played in Pakistan. A lot of them never played in Zimbabwe. Well, hey, this is the first test in Pakistan for a long time. 17 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. So, and the other crazy thing, Stewie, it didn't go ahead because the English team was ravaged with a bug. Hmm. So it was nearly delayed by one day and you just wonder what would have happened if that had been the case. They but might have missed their boat. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Incredible. Hmm. Missed their boat. There's a couple of other things that are real random things I do want to talk about in this game. So Joe Root deciding to face up to a ball left-handed. Yeah, that was a bit odd. It was nuts. Yeah. Didn't even switch it. Literally just took guard left-handed. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. And he scored runs. He played an absolutely beautiful flick off his pads. And I think he got a couple off that. So that was nuts. Incredible. England in the first inning, setting up a ring field of five guys, all within about 15 metres on the offside. Yep. Starting from square and basically ending up just near where the bowler would have sort of come in. It was certainly a fielding position I've never seen. And then you love that bit at the end where they're trying to get those last couple of wickets with two fly slips, uh, two leg gullies and whatnot. Yeah, crazy stuff. May as well just pile onto the batter. Yes, yeah, just crowding. Yeah, the pyramid. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And Joe Root seen shining the ball on Jack Leach's head at one point. I mean, like, how embarrassing for him. He already went for 190 runs in the first innings bowling to Jack Leach. So it's it's pretty embarrassing having that happen. I did see, though, the Fox Sport Australia team posted a picture on that with a caption, Homer, did you shine your head in the shine or yeah. No, no, sir. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, yeah. Yes, we, we uh, always have a Simpsons reference. This time it was thanks to Fox Sports. It's my second, actually. Oh, yes. At the start. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There may be more. Speaking of stuff, by the way, we'll just, I guess, round this out with a crazy stat. This is the first time in the history of Test cricket that both teams have had a 200-plus run partnership to open their innings. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Not surprising. Well, It's a a pretty hard feat. It it is. Yeah. So, yeah, to have it happen with both teams and still have a result. Yeah. I still can't believe. I'm astonished. Yeah. Absolutely astonished. it, It really, It really is astonishing. Yeah. No, great. Great for the game. And I just quickly, I know you've got a very, very crazy stat coming out of India. I do just want to quickly mention massive, massive props to the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame. They have elevated one Shane Keith Warne to legendary status, joining Donald Bradman, Keith Miller, Richie Benno, and Dennis Lilly as the other cricketers in there. Uh, what a great decision. Should have been inducted as a legend. Well, some players are just otherworldly immediately. Yeah. And, you know, it is good though. And may he rest in peace. Still getting over that one. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of otherworldly, yeah, so Rudaraj Gaikwad had 43 in a single over. 6-6-6-6, six, 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 no ball, 6-6 six, six in the VJ Hazard Trophy. So what an incredible performance that was. To, Absolutely. To be fair, he only had 42 of those. <laughs> That's true. A pretty poor effort there. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. That's no, but I, one of those actually, the no ball. I actually saw that being incorrectly reported on a number of websites saying, oh, the first guy to have 43 in an over. I'm like, the no ball don't go to Yeah, him. no, that's a really good point. That didn't even occur to me, but it's a very, very good point. So, yeah. But I believe it's the first time a batter in limited overs cricket has hit seven sixes in an over, certainly at that level anyway. How's this, though? So he hit two more sixes in the next over. He took 55 off his last 12 balls. Wow. 220 off 159. That This Vijay Hazari trophy has really thrown up some crazy stats. And if you look at the guy that was bowling, so Shiva Singh, he was none for 45 for eight overs going into that. So bowling... He was gone, yeah, had a good bad. economy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Six and over. Yeah. And then next minute, it's nine overs, yeah. none, none for 88. And I'll tell you what, pretty decent reply as well. Ayan Joyal uh, replied with 159 of his own, but unfortunately for them, Maharashtra won by 58 runs. Well, geez, you'd be pissed if you hit seven sixes in and over and still didn't win. Yeah, so, very true. <laughs> great effort. Very true. Basketball, should we? We've saved it for the end of the episode today, but we're still loving what we see. A lot of interesting things going on as we get to the quarter mark of the NBA season. Yeah, look, it's, I don't know about you, man. I feel like as much as we sort of talked about how it's it's very hard to win championships with less than three superstars, it's hard to see anyone beating Boston right now. Oh, man, Tatum is looking good. Tatum He's looking Brown. good. Yeah, well, Brown, yeah. Yeah, big they, fan of Brown. Their offense is just like it's it's otherworldly. It's ridiculous. They, they're just putting up whatever they want on teams and playing good day too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, the other teams are playing good day on them as well, and they're still dropping like seventy point halves and one hundred and thirty point games. So yeah, very very tough to beat. Well, let's look at the standings quickly at the quarter mark. So Boston are in first seed at twenty and five. Milwaukee seventeen and six. Cleveland fifteen and nine. Atlanta thirteen and eleven. Indiana 12 and 11. So we start to kind of get to the 500 teams after that. So 
those top three really are the cream of the crop at the moment in the East. I've got to say, I've watched some Cleveland games lately. Jeez, they look good. They're fun. They're oh, really, man. really fun. They, yeah. The more you look at it, the more that that Cleveland-Utah trade, oh, Mitchell for Mark and yeah, effectively, huge. both teams won it. Yeah, yep. And I think we said that at the time. It was like, I'm pretty sure both teams are going to win this trade. Yeah, no, it's, it's worked out really well. It's been amazing. Evan Mobley as well. Like, a cross between Kevin Garnett and Chris Bosch. He is so good to I watch. I see a lot of KG in him. Oh, a so lot. good. But the bo- a bit of the Bosch finesse. A bit, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So good. I've got to also say about that Boston team, gee, they're a menace in the passing lanes, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can't remember their opposition, but they just continually were throwing these flat cross-court passes and Boston were just dining on it consistently. Oh, man. In the West, Phoenix on the back of Devin Booker's 51 and three quarters and then didn't even play in the fourth and Chris Paul's indiscretions. Well, I was going to say, he might need a chance to get a ring back. Yes. <laughs> and they had another loss to Dallas today, I see. I think that's bullshit, by the way, for the record. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, do you see Drake tweeted the September club and they all had different Chris Paul jerseys on? Why the fuck would we believe anything Kanye West? Well, I know, yeah. He's, he's absolutely he's he's just, he's Well, uh, uh, yeah, I've... I f- kind of feel bad because he's clearly got mental health issues. and But, jeez, he's saying some horrible yeah. shit. But anyway, Phoenix in first seed at 16 and 8. New Orleans, 15 and 8. I've, w- I've watched a couple of their games lately. Alvarado. I've, I've got some stuff on that. Okay, actually. we'll get to that. Memphis in third place, 15 and 9. Denver, 14 and 9. Sacramento, 13 yeah, and 9. They're a big shot. The Clippers, 14 and 11, with a lot of games lost to injury. And the Lakers, okay, they're in third last at 10 and 12, but they're starting to make their way up too because they played very well in that win in Milwaukee that I watched on the weekend. And we'll so, talk about them as well. If yeah. You, okay, so you could start losing some freaking games and let the Lakers pass them. Well, like I always said, Stewie, they're better than you think they are. Stay in the left lane, let people go past. Or if you're <laughs> in America, stay in the right lane. Anyway, so let's start off with a team that we sort of mentioned briefly in, in the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, Trey Young issues. Losing games they probably shouldn't be losing. I mean, regular season doesn't really matter, does it? Well, <laughs> hey, the Spurs hold their picks. So I keep losing Atlanta. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So we don't have the full story on this one. I mean, it, I, I don't think anyone has the full story except for Trey and Nate McMillan. Well, because Trey refuses to answer questions. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. What an I, awkward I, press conference that was. So you, you've seen that? Yeah, yeah I saw it this morning. Yeah. yeah. That is good. So I guess look, what we've heard so far, apparently Nate McMillan disagreed with the rehab approach that Trey Young was applying to his shoulder injury, reportedly said, quote, play off the bench or don't show up at all. Words are exchanged. Trey supposedly brought up Nate McMillan's 5.9 points per game career scoring average. Like, that's relevant. Uh, he's just a dick. He, he seems to be a little bit. Yeah. But... I mean, if I'm Nate McMillan, I go, yeah, but I played defense. I was a 1.9 steals per game yeah. over my entire career. I was loyal to my Seattle team for the entire career that I played. I'm trying to teach you the things that you need to learn. His coaching pedigree is he's got a lot of runs on the board with those good years in Portland too. So that's a real concern. If your star player is saying that to his coach, there's a lot of trouble there. I think a lot of trouble. So let's talk about that interview that you mentioned. So reporter Zach Klein kind of challenged him around not turning up to a game against Dallas after that. So obviously when McMillan has said play off the bench or don't show up, Trey's gone, all right, well, I won't show up. Which is really poor too, I think. It is. So he's he's basically said it's hard for people who don't know the full situation to understand it. That's Trey Young has said that. Yeah. They went back and forth a little bit. He was challenged a little bit in terms of, Klein sort of saying to Trey, well, look, the perception is this. You're meant to be a leader. Trey kept pushing back, saying a private matter needs to stay private. What are your thoughts on it? See, a private matter to me is the Imi Udoka situation. A private matter is not rehab, and that's a team matter. That's a game matter. So it's not private. I mean, look, Trey, as I say, not a massive fan. I think he lacks leadership skills and qualities. Same with DeJounte. So... There's a lot of talent on that team, but the chemistry, like I say, uh, that's a real worry if you're bringing up your coach's points per game. It's just a, it's a dick move. It really is. And and I guess the big thing is like, if we don't have the full story, give help us, us give enlighten us. us. Yeah, let, yeah. Exactly. If it's if it's not a big deal, yep. Then tell us because the, the whole perception is reality thing is there. Like if you're not telling us something. We look at it and go, okay, well, he's not saying anything. There must be more to this. He just comes off as petulant, in my opinion. Mm. And look, McMillan's no, he's not perfect. And I'm sure he's said and done things that probably didn't help the situation at times. 
But you want more out of your leader. You really yeah. do. And, and this is it. Like having the guy at the center of it, deflecting questions, it, it does. It just it gives you that perception from the outside going, well, I think there's more to this. And it's a personal, like personal. That's a really weird way to classify it, I think. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. It's just someone who clearly didn't want to answer questions yeah. about it and making up. But yeah, it, it just it doesn't read well. And unfortunately, this is what we saw last season with Atlanta, where you know their, their priorities seem to be in the wrong spot instead of focusing on being a tight-knit group. And if you look at some of these other young teams... Well, they have some injury problems now, too. Well, they, they, they do. Yeah. But look, look at some of the other young teams that are dominating. You look at the, the Memphis Grizzlies. They look like the tightest-knit group you could possibly hope for. The Pelicans. The Sacramento Kings are, yep. are rallying around the beam. Yep. You know, light the beam, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland. Like, did you see Donovan Mitchell grabbed a rebound that would have robbed... Who was it? Someone of a triple double. It might have been Mosley. It was a freaking double double. Double. Uh, I thought it was. Are you sure? It was a double double. Okay, and his teammates. They all were like, and he was so sad and like apologetic, and yeah. they clearly have really good chemistry it's going on in Cleveland. That's not even important. No, it? no. Well, that's right. Unless, but that's how much they're playing for each other. Unless there's a double double clause in their contract. Fair enough. Well, maybe, maybe, but but it's it's celebrating individual success as a team as well, and playing for one another, and they're the signs you want to see. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's in stark contrast. It is. And I do say in Atlanta, when things start to look a little bit shaky, they do start to crumble, it seems. Okay. They don't seem to to rally when the issues start. So I'd be worried if I was a Hawks fan. Sorry, Woody and Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, what do you want to talk about next? The Lakers or the Pelicans? Uh, oh, let's, let's talk about the Pelicans. Okay. The Lakers are always talked about in the media and they are starting to look good and AD is looking magnificent, but his old team are looking really good too. And Zion... I, I go on about how I worry about his weight and injuries and whatnot, but, geez, he is he is a bulldog. Well, touch whoop, he's healthy. Yes, indeed. Which yes. is something we haven't been able to say for a while. Yeah. Brandon Ingram looks like an all-star again. Maybe not quite the same level, and I don't think he'll make it because the Western Conference is stacked, but he's looking really good. They've got eight guys averaging nine points or more a game. That's a lot. Eight guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, scores are up. They are. Across the league. So everything's a little bit skewed. But, but if, you, if you look at this team, though, they've got six different guys who have led their team in scoring in the first 20-something games. Yeah, no, that is that six. is impressive. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Including Alvarado, who you mentioned. Obviously, had that yeah. massive 38.8 three-pointer master. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Big fan. The guy you would expect, obviously, in Zion Williamson. You've had Ingram. You've had McCollum. But they also had Valanchunas and Trey Murphy. So a couple of the guys that are maybe not expected to lead the team in scoring, doing the right things. And on Zion Williamson, so his 2,524 points are the most through a player's first 100 games since Jordan had 2,721 in his first 100. Which is not far off. So when he's on the court, he is a beast, an absolute beast. It's just keeping him on the court. But they they could scare some teams in the playoffs. they got a lot of length. They've got athleticism. They play D. They're a good team. Yeah, real switchability about them, which which I love. I mean, there's, there's a few factors. Now, obviously, I know numbers don't mean everything, but we love our stats. Yes. This is very much not, not going to be a surprise to anyone. We love our stats. They have the sixth best offensive efficiency in the league right now. So they're they're very efficient offensively. They've got the best fourth quarter point differential in the league as well. That's a good thing to have come playoff time. So they, they do. They play well there. They're third in the league for turnovers forced and second in steals, probably behind Alvarado because he does so much of that great stuff. Number but one, there's Herb Jones and, and they all play defense. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's a good team. And they're also number one in opponent three-point percentage. So they defend the three-point ball really well, which Which again, is important in the modern game. Yeah, exactly. Again, in the Western Conference as well, when you've got so many teams who shoot the ball well, that is huge. And so that that's sort of where you look at them and you go, like, holy shit, this team, yeah, are they going to win the championship this year? No, probably not. <laughs> it's very unlikely. Probably not. But, geez, in a year or two. Well, this is it. If they can stay and, – and if you look at their, I guess, the, the main core, aside from really Valanchunas and McCollum, they're all young guys. Exactly. And they've got the Lakers pick coming to them too. They do. So they can build. Yeah. But the, and, and this is it. When you're building around a team with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, even to a lesser extent, Najee Marshall. Like, this is a team that, yeah, a couple of years from now, I mean, they're going to be knocking right on that door yep. if they're not already this year. So, yeah, yep. really, yep. really. No, they could, they could very easily make the Western Conference Finals, for example. I'm not saying they will, but it would not surprise me if they did. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so, as a result, they're one of four teams in the league right now that is eight and two over their last 10 games with the Celtics, the Suns, and the other team we need to talk about, 
the Lakers. Yeah, like, yeah, yep, yep. Good company to be in. So the Lakers are they they are climbing their way up the ladder, and you'd have to think that it's it's hard to make up some of that ground. But as I mentioned, there are a lot of teams hovering around five hundred, so they they could start to climb in. They might even miss the play in if they're lucky. God, it's it, conceivable. There's still a lot of games to go. Uh, AD, whew, he's looking like his Pelican uh, time, isn't he? Is it just me or does it look like LeBron's finally passed the torch? Uh, I don't know. In the crunch, in the clutch, come playoff time, he'll still be the one taking the last shot most of the time, most I think. He's never been a selfish player. So he always involves his teammates and he's he's happy to see ADs. He knows he needs AD to succeed, hmm. for him to succeed. So let's. I want to look at some numbers because there's a lot of really good stuff here. So obviously we saw that piece to resistance yesterday, 55 points, 17 boards, three blocks. A crucial win at Washington. On top of that five-game stretch I mentioned last week and on top of that big win in Milwaukee too. Well, it's, and it's extended now to yeah. nine games. So yep. he's the first Laker with a 50-15 game on 70% shooting since Will Chamberlain in 1969. So we're talking... Good company. Yeah, 53 years ago. Pretty handy. <laughs> He's had 25 or more in his last nine games. And in that time, he's only shot less than 60% from the field once. Yep. Which is insane. Attack the rim. Well, I hope you're listening, Perth Wildcats. Well, here's the thing. He's had, uh, in that nine-game stretch, 20.9 points a game in the paint. Yep. Which is the most out of anyone in the entire league. And it's the most he's ever had in a nine-game stretch in his career. Yep. So he's demanding the ball low. He's making quick decisions. He's getting to the line. Getting up for alley-oops. Yeah, I mean, easy buckets. And and if you go back to that three year stretch from 2018 to 2021, 2.6 three pointers a game in the first year, 3.5 and 2.8. He's at 1.4 a game yep. this season. Yeah, it's good. Players should not fall in love with the three. It is worth more, but you've got to hit them. And you got, well, as I've said last week, I'm a big fan of working inside out. And the Lakers don't have a lot of the shooting. So they kind of. They don't, really. But yeah, yeah. But who, I mean, who can stop him? It's, it's, you look at this the same as the Giannis effect. Who in the entire league can consistently stop Anthony Davis if he's backing him down, coming up and downhill? You know, he's a really, really tall guy with a good handle, high release point. Athletic. Who can stop him? Yep. No one. Yep. No, with with a head of steam, if he if he focuses, he he could almost win MVP. I hate to bring it up. Okay. Why did I open the door? Got, too early. You've got something on that. It's too enough. early. Why did I do this? If you look at Nikola Jokic's MVP season last year, now, okay, yes, it's a smallish size, you know, 20-odd games in. But AD is averaging more points, more rebounds, more blocks than Jokic and shooting a better clip from the free-throw line and the field. The only difference is Denver have won more games, but yeah. No, no, AD has been magnificent. On Jokic, by the way, him and Domantas Sabonis are the only two players Currently in the top 20 for rebounds, assists, and field goal percentage. Yeah. So Thanks still, to NBA both. Still, a, a, that's a great stat. It yeah. really is. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on Sabonis right now. But I'm just, all I'm saying is that the numbers that AD is putting up right now are most years going to win him an MVP. And it's impacting wins because they've started to win. They, they so they're, they're not empty numbers. They're, they're not. Yeah. And they're, they're starting to get more from other guys. I mean, Lonnie Walker had a great game yesterday. Four, did, four yeah. or four from three, 20 points. Yep. Westbrook not shooting the ball amazingly most games, but again, he had 15 assists yesterday in that game. It's the first 15 assist game he's had in over a year. And Playing well with the bench too? He, yeah, that's the most... Well, the, off the bench? That's the most, most the Lakers have had off the bench since Michael Cooper in 1985. Yeah, right, there you go. So, yeah, that, yeah. yeah so they are... Slightly better three-point shooter. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, Austin Reeves is doing some good things. Like, they're getting numbers from, from other guys. Yep. And so, if you've got LeBron being like the 1A to Anthony Davis being the one like those two they can if they're healthy they're scary oh yeah yep you know remains to be seen if westbrook finishes on that team by the end of the season and what they could potentially get for him but he's he's looked useful so okay here's the thing i've heard vucevic and derozan for westbrook and two future firsts i don't know why chicago would do well for the first chicago could rebuild i guess the other, the other bad thing about Chicago is they don't own their pick this season. Mm. So they're, they're going shit and they don't own their pick. They're a bit like the Lakers. So Orlando has their pick. Orlando could have two very high draft picks if Chicago keep going shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Vucevic comes off the book soon and DeRozan comes off the books a year later, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Westbrook comes off the book soon too. So maybe it's a salary dump to get 
Maybe. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. It would help beef up the team. Vooch would give them some outside shooting as well from that that big spot as well. Don't they wish they still had Zubach? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know we've said it before. Clogs you, though. He's more of an inside guy, so he probably clogs the paint. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. But look, nice to see some signs of life out of LA. It is good for the league when the Lakers are good. Yeah. No matter what everyone says, it's good for them. No, we only have a few more years of LeBron left, and we don't want to see him missing playoffs. <laughs> a few more. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's like Tom Brady. I know, yeah. Basically. Yeah, basically. But we, we don't want to see him wasting away in a non-playoff team too many times. Yes. So a couple of quick hits just to round things off, Nate. I don't know if you saw the Lakers-Bucks game. Well, actually, I do know. I do, yeah, you, I did. You did, I did see that. Yeah, good game. Did you see, obviously, Giannis getting called for that 10-second free-throw violation? Uh, as he should have. He does take the piss. Because I did you see like Jeff Van Gundy was very quiet and then all of a sudden he just took 12 seconds. <laughs> like, oh, that's why he was quiet. He was counting. Did you see though on the very next shot, ESPN had a running clock going? Yes. Yeah. Well, they kind of should. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it because it's boring. Just get up and shoot the ball. Well, it's an advantage. Hmm. There is a rule. You gotta. You can't take too long. You, you've got enough time when the ball is with the umpire to get your breath yeah. gathered. Like, yeah. step up to the line. Get and look, the ball. take your dribble or whatever. That's fine. But he does take the piss a yeah. bit. He He's does. Basically, the new calm alone. Yes. Yeah. He's stand up the line, just going me 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 to himself, and then fifteen minutes later, taking the shot. Anyway, one other quick thing about the Lakers, Stewie. I saw, funnily enough, during that Milwaukee game. So you probably saw it too. Did you see when they were talking about Darvin Ham? How did I not know about this nickname? Ham Slamwich. Oh, nice. Ham Slamwich. I'd call him Blazed, but yeah, Ham Slamwich. That's, that's fantastic. That, that is cool because if he's in a duck hole. Oh, yeah. Oh, he could get up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just, I just can't believe that I've gone my whole life without knowing one that. of the best nicknames of all time. That is brilliant. I didn't say that. There you go. Absolutely brilliant. Crazy. Tyrese Halliburton became the first player with 40 plus assists and zero turnovers in a three game span since individual turnovers started being tracked in 1977 78. Again, we spoke of trades where both teams won. That was another one by the looks of things. I think so. One of three players in NBA history with the first name Tyrese. Three, okay. Hmm. There you go. Him, Maxi, and there's some other guy who got drafted this year who's played a couple of times. all very recent. Very recent. Yeah, Yeah. unsurprisingly. Yeah, there you go. We didn't get too many Tyrese's going around in the 1970s. (laughs) And a couple of crazy facts about longevity that I saw during the week. So Udonis Haslam has played against both Carl Malone, who we just spoke about, and Jason Tatum. Yeah, right. Yep. And there's a 35-year age gap between yeah. those two guys. He's played against <laughs> both of them. And also, I saw Vince Carter played against both Joe Dumas and Ja Morant. Yeah, right. Which is very wild when you consider that Joe Dumas retired before Ja was even born. Yes, yes, indeed. So, yeah, some crazy, crazy things going on in the NBA. Yes, indeed. Always fun. Gotta love it. The Sport Blokes are proud to announce a very special live event coming in the new year. Full Court Fitness and the Backlot Perth Proudly present NBL Podcasts Live. Nathan Stewie will be joining the NBL Pocket Podcasters and superfan Nick Tan, and you should too. Come watch the Perth versus Tasmania game on the big screen and then stay for a live recording of the collaborative podcast. Wildcats member? Never fear. It's an away game, so you can join us too. So whether you're a Perthling or you're in the area on January 29, what are you waiting for? There are very limited seats available, so check out the link in the description Grab a ticket while you still can. So, Australian basketball, first things first, congratulations to Robin Ma for being inducted into FIBA's Hall of Fame. We talked about Warney getting legend status. Great, great effort by Ma, a, a very important servant of the women's game for many, many years, yep. decades even. Huge part of the Opals team that yep. we saw for many, many years. Just, yeah, just a, a great all-round player. Real hard-nosed sort of player. Yeah. Well, yep. I loved watching it. The other thing, so we know where NBL facts are now. Matt McQuaid had a bit of a thing on Twitter saying congratulations on a great career. Unfortunately, sad to see you go kind of thing. So, yeah, we speculated last week and then we had an answer within a couple of days. Might have even been a day. Sad. So sad. It, is, it is sad. We did love NBL facts. But, yeah, all the best and, and good luck with whatever ha- happens next. Mm-hmm. So you finally get to see New Zealand, Stewie. What you what you make of it? It was a good win by the Wildcats over there. I don't, as I tweeted from our account at Sportblokes, fans would have taken one and one prior to the round. They just wouldn't have expected the loss to be to the lowly undermanned bullets and the win to be on the floor 
of the league leading New Zealand breakers, basically. Yeah, it was, it was a weird game. I mean, it was one of those ones where, look, if Corey Webster was going to light it up, that's the only place he would really have thought. Yes, like, yeah. He knows yeah. those rooms. He knows that court better than anyone. And the social media team did poke the bear a little bit. I don't know if you saw that. They did, yeah the, yeah. the billboard with him being compared to, I believe, a pussy was probably what they were referring yes, to. Yes, I think that was that was maybe it's what they were reading between the lines. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they, someone basically replaced it with Corey Webster equals W. Yes, well, he did. He played very well. Very good. No, look, he obviously provided us with a, a really, really great spark early in that game. Hit some big shots all the way throughout. 26 points. The best game he's played for Perth by a long way. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, had some steals, had some assists. You know, did did some good things. Really. Hit key shots at key times. Yeah, maybe even a little, yeah, a little bit of defense, which is nice. Ah, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, there were some some key moments. The the breakers kind of kept it fairly close. Brady Manick had that really big what three threes in a Yeah, he was good in the minute. fourth. Yeah. So it hit some some big shots there. Cotton still a little bit down, but again, other guys were stepping up. Majuk Majuk, I thought, played really well. Yeah, some key inside plays. Yeah. Yeah, making layups, which is nice. So yeah, just just getting little bits and pieces out of those guys was was just great. And yeah, I mean, look, New Zealand is still a very good side. Oh, player. yeah, you can see they play good discipline ball. They play for each other. Talking of chemistry, when we talked about the NBA, there's no surprise that they're sitting second on the ladder at the moment at all. No, and the other thing, I guess, to take away from that is that one of their key imports in Brantley had foul trouble throughout a good chunk of the that's game. That's true, yeah, that's true. Which definitely doesn't help. No. But look, signs of life, I guess it gives Perth maybe a little bit more of a blueprint to go through in, in terms of how they're going to attack the rest of the season. But it's good to see, what, 26 seconds into the game, I think it was. Yeah, really reading them the right act, yeah. Basically getting <laughs> yeah, getting stuck into them for a really, really poor first defensive possession. And that's what they need. They need more of that from really, he, he's not their friend. That's what Gleason did so well. He would stand up for them, run through a wall for them, but if they did something wrong, he would absolutely, as you say, read them the right act. Whereas I think Morrison, there wasn't enough of that, and there certainly hasn't been enough of that from really early on. So nice to see. Absolutely. And some good games over the weekend. Okay, New Zealand blew out Southeast Melbourne. But Adelaide Cairns was a really good game. Adelaide got that one by three. Jeez, Cairns threw that one away. Yeah, they did a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, it was they I think did. it was like a 15 point. Yeah. Yeah. 15 I don't know if it was choke worthy, but yeah, oh, it was close. Pretty close. It was close. And she, though, having said that, one of the more interesting plays of the, the season, you know, we saw if you go back, I believe it was Michael Ruffin in Washington playing against Toronto and the, the long pass has come in. He's intercepted it with a couple of seconds left, thrown it up into the sky and Mo Peterson caught it and hit a three to tie the game. It was a similar sort of thing where I think there was an interception by, I think it was Cleveland and he's just started running off the court with it. They've called the travel and it actually gave them a chance to get a shot up. He got did, a play to the whistle. Yeah, DJ, yeah. DJ Hogue missed, but he didn't have a great, he's had a very good season, but he didn't play spectacularly well in that one. You're allowed a bad game every oh, now and then. Yeah. Yeah, Southeast Melbourne then did turn around. They beat Melbourne. Now Melbourne are looking Average. not good, are they? Average. They also lost to the Hawks, who haven't had many wins. So yeah, the real problems right now. I mean, again, it's one of those things where they're starting to get decent numbers out of Tucker, but they're not really getting a whole lot else out of a, a number of other guys. We will mention just quickly. We'll pause. Big props to Chris Golding. Yes, indeed. So it's his, uh, we, I talked about Larry Kesterman at the top, the thousandth game. A thousand was the number for the round because he hit his thousandth three with a Victor Wembanyama one footer, didn't he? It was a travel. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. It, it came to a two foot. Yeah, two he's foot, not shooting a layup. Two foot jump stop and then take the third. It was the, the Michelle Brogan special. Yeah, well, she was never shooting threes like that, but uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, anyway, great. Funny, it's funny you say that. The NBA has started to call travels finally. Good. Clamping down. So they should. Yeah. So and players should. will adjust. There's all this talk about, oh, like, no, players adjust. If you enforce the rules, players will adjust. Absolutely. But no, crazy difficult shot, and it kind of sums up how difficult a lot of the shots he's hit have been. That brings me to trivia without notice, Shui. Oh, shit. So Golding joined the 1,000 three-pointers club. There are 10 guys ahead of him on the list. You want to have a crack? Well, Andrew Gaze. Yep, number one. Shane Hill. Number two. Matt Campbell. Number nine. Number 10. Number 10, sorry. And that's where it starts getting a little bit tricky. And, I, and I, that, those are the three that I can remember. Yeah, uh, that's that's good so far. All right. Three and four are current head coaches. So John, obviously John really. Yep. For some reason, oh, no, Tony Ronaldson didn't hit that many. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I suppose he played 600 games. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so he's number seven on the list with 1,166. Funnily enough, bear sighting at the... Uh, 
Crowded House concert I went to oh, the other go. day. Yeah. You got a lot of concerts. Recently. Yeah, I know. Nick Cave tonight. I've got the Pixies, CW Stone King, went to Gunners. Yeah. Yeah. Summer of George, like I said. Hmm. Anyway, so, I'm surprised you haven't got the other coach. The other head coach. Oh, CJ Bruton. CJ Bruton, yeah. number four, 1,261. Obviously. Obviously. I'm just trying to, like, Leonard Copeland wouldn't have been on that. Yeah, Leonard, Leonard, number five. Yeah. Yep. You've only got a couple. You're doing very well. It's all right. All right. I want you to get one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's there's every possibility. It, get, it does get a bit trickier. You've got three left. Exactly. You've done very well. Yeah. You've done very well. Brett Mark. Brett Mark. Very good. Okay. Number yep. nine. Yep. Oh, two more. Two more. I don't think Ricky Grace would hit that many. No. No. Your first. Well, that yeah. Your first blot on that, the that, that was more of a yeah uh, yeah no fair enough. That was more like well, I've got to use this. If, if it's right, I've got to use the sound effect. If it's right, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it won't be. Oh god, I'm trying to think. Like I can think of guys who were good three point shooters like Parkinson and and all of them, but they they wouldn't have had the volume. Shout out again to Robbie. Yeah, absolutely. Oh far out. I'll give all right. I'll give you a clue. Okay. One is still heavily involved in the media and is a import player but still in australia the other is an aussie who played a lot of games here in perth so aaron traher oh you're anthony, close anthony stewart, anthony stewart. So yep. i was like, gonna be one of those two and an, an, an american He's number eight an american in the media yep over here yep killed us on a number of occasions played for several teams actually very good for a number of teams won an mvp in his early career jesus Drawing blanks. What teams did he play for? Go what back. teams? All right. Newcastle, Brisbane, oh, West Sydney, oh. Townsville. Derek Rucker. Derek Rucker. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. I was thinking of him. Just he's under Leonard, would you believe? I, I, I think of him more of a, like a mid-range assassin than a, a, a bomber. But yeah, he did have quite a few games. I, well, I'm surprised that Leonard is ahead of him, to be honest. Although Leonard did play over fi- uh, 500 games. He played more than 100 games more than Derek. So, yeah. yeah makes good, sense. Good list. Yeah. There you go. So, look, we're running out of time, so we'll have to wrap the NBL there, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it more. There's plenty of things. We've got some that big event coming up soon. It's a couple of months away, but get your tickets while you can. But, yeah, New Zealand, Sydney will be a good way to kick off the round. We've also got Adelaide, Perth. We've got... Melbourne, Brisbane could actually be quite interesting. Melbourne, Brisbane is interesting. Sydney, Tassie. So, I think Perth, Melbourne, they always have interesting games. That finishes the round. So, yeah, I think it could be a pretty good round of NBL basketball coming up. I think so. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, it just doesn't stop, does it? An onslaught of sport in many, many different continents. And don't we love it? We do love it. We, we do. Look, the World Cup is absolutely heating up, as I said. Just some amazing games, some amazing teams still left, obviously. Looking forward to seeing how that all sort of pans out. Big, big round in the NBL. Lots going on in the NBA. Second test. Well... <laughs> Where do you start? Oh, there's just so much to look forward to. So much going on. Had a lot of fun again this week. We thought we weren't going to get together, so that was a pleasant surprise too. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplugs.